Hello, Collateral Gaming listeners. Chazzle Dazzle here from the Trial by Air Variety Show podcast. I just wanted to take a few seconds to invite you guys over to what we do. No, it's not video games, but we do invite really awesome and unique bands from all over the world. We dig deep into their souls and find really cool stories to tell you, and there's tons of music every week, so subscribe to us wherever you subscribe to your podcast. We look forward to having you. Tonight on the bonus round, another Metroid-focused episode as we list our top five Metroid items and also our predictions and wishes for Metroid Prime 4 on Nintendo Switch. Don't go anywhere. The show starts right now. Welcome to Collateral Gaming Bonus Round. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Zachary Gio. And we are podcasting straight from San Antonio, Texas. Well, that's not quite true, is it? Because you're not in San Antonio, Texas. Nope. I wonder if I'm, we might need to change that. Well, um, let's see. I'm in Jessup, Georgia currently. So, I mean, we could split it up, say I'm podcasting from San Antonio and I could say something along the lines of I'm from I'm podcasting from Jessup, but hopefully soon we can connect or something like that. You Something know? like that. Or I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyway, um, yes, my friends, we are a 420 friendly podcast. So whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. And um, we're, we're sitting here. It's another bonus round episode. Um, we just, this, this is another kind of just impromptu thing. We're like, fuck it. We want to talk about Metroid. So let's talk about Metroid, right? Amen to that. So, uh, we start off with a top five list of our top five favorite Metroid items. Um, we'll start with you, Zach. Okay. So my number five choice today is the wave beam. And that is in almost every single Metroid game, with the exception of Metroid Prime 2 and Metroid Prime 3, which is kind of replaced with the Nova Beam, except the Nova Beam can only go pass through Phaseite. The Wave Beam is awesome because um, with the 2D Metroid games, uh, the Wave Beam gives you the ability to, you know, shoot through walls and objects to reach places that you haven't gotten to before, like in Super Metroid or in Metroid Fusion, you can shoot through barriers to hit buttons that will allow you to access previously unaccessible places. And uh, in Metroid Prime, it's really cool because it has an electrical feature which allows you to charge power nodes behind walls, especially in um, the Fendrana Drifts, which is where you get it. You, uh, What is the creature that you have to fight? It's it's a she-goth, right? It's a she-goth, yeah, an adult she-goth. Yeah, you fight and face the first adult she-goth of the game, which they become base enemies later. But you take that thing out, and it gives you the wave beam. But in Prime, it allows you to electrically charge nodes that you couldn't before and allows you to access areas. And I just love this beam because uh, in the 2D games, it's kind of like the last beam that you get. And once you get it, you're like, okay, now I can pretty much get anywhere that needs to be accessed with a beam of some sort. And, 
in Prime, you know, it gives you the ability to electrocute enemies and defeat other enemies in a way that you couldn't before. And in Prime, uh, there's missile uh, combinations with each beam that you get, like super missiles, ice spreader, flamethrower, and the wave buster, which you find in the Chozo ruins after um, you use this. I think you use the spider ball uh, track where in the same room where you get the morph ball to climb up to the top, go through, and you can go in there. And by the way, if you're listening, there's also a, a artifact in there spoilers sorry <laughs> uh, but uh you climb to the top of that tower while using uh i i prefer to use super missiles but you can use individual missiles too to break down the tower until you can finally reach the top and get the wave buster you use five missiles and you have a constant stream of electricity that burns through missiles quickly but it's awesome because you can just electrocute anything in your path it's pretty great so yeah i love the wave beam it's really cool for me it's extremely iconic well i mean for the metroid series it's extremely iconic but i always look forward to getting this item and it's fantastic for me because it it metroid fusion was my first game and when i got the wave beam it made the wave it made your beam look so cool because it just had this really cool oscillating effect that just made your beam rotate as it was passing through enemies and passing through walls and i absolutely loved that and i thought it was cool and so when you told me to grab some items to list i was like oh that's the first thing that popped into my head i was like most definitely the wave beam I want to say it popped into my head as well, actually. The wave beam is actually is badass. And out of the different uh, elemental beams that you get, I think it's definitely one of my favorites uh, in Prime and, and in the 2D games as well. I remember using it in, in uh, Other M as well. It had kind of the same uh, features that it does in the 2D games where it just goes through walls. And I liked the, um, the electrical puzzles you can do with it in Prime. And... Yeah, like like you, I, I love the oscillating effect as well. That was badass in, in, in uh, Metroid Prime. And it's actually kind of similar to another item on my list, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, my number five is the Spider Ball. Woohoo! Featured in uh, Metroid 2, Return of Samus, Metroid Prime, uh, the whole trilogy, actually, all three games. Uh, Federation Force, and we will talk no more of that. That is that is the only name drop that that <laughs> game gets. And then also, of course, Metroid 2's remake, which is Samus Returns. So I love the Spider Ball. It makes you... Um, it gives you a lot more opportunities to uh, access the world, particularly in the 2D games. In Metroid 2 and Samus Returns, you can climb on any wall using the Spider Ball. So it actually is pretty badass. But even in the Prime games, being able to move along the um, the rails and boosting off of them and, and using jumps and all the different Spider Ball puzzles were just highlights of the game for me. Um, I enjoyed the gameplay. I mean, the Morph Ball as a whole, I think it's one of my favorite items in, in the Metroid series, just the whole thing. But the spider ball just makes it even, even greater. And I loved the, um, I just, I just love the, what am I trying to say here? Just the movement style. And, and I like the puzzles and, and what you can do with it. Yeah. I also really like how, I think in most of the games, it changes how the morph ball looks too. In Metroid Prime, one of my favorite moments is when you defeat Thardis, because that's such an amazing fight. It's extremely badass. And because at the end of the fight, Samus is just looking up with her arm cannon, just watching this rock figure that's been brought to life just crumble before her eyes. And then you see the little spider ball icon floating there. And you go and pick it up, and she goes into her morph ball, and it like attaches the two sides to her. And you notice now it's not just your morph ball. It's, it's the morph ball, but it's... 
it's improved and it's shiny and these green, uh, clear trans translucent circles. Yeah. It's so awesome. I remember that. Yeah. And I remember fighting Thardis, which is kind of a, was kind of a tough battle. I remember the first time I, I went through that. And then afterwards, mm -hmm. you know, you get the, the reward of the spider ball, which if you're playing Metroid prime up to that point, you're seeing all these magnetic rails, um, that you could be able to use the spider ball. And so you're just waiting for to, to get that upgrade. And then you do, uh, and, and like you said, I love the way that the Morph Ball looks in Prime once you get the Spider Ball. And I love how they improved upon it in the next two games by adding the ability to, to, boost, off of the, um, to boost off of the Spider Ball rails. Um, it was used to great effect in both Metroid Prime 2 and Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. A lot of neat little uh, puzzle areas. Oh yeah, and some, some rather rage-inducing areas too, where you have to try to line up. The camera angle does not let you see it yes. <laughs> properly, and you have to try to line up how to drop perfectly. Um, I think one of the most memorable Spider-Ball moments for me is getting to the fight with the Omega Pirate in the uh, phase on Mines. And right before, at the top of the Impact Crater, right before you face Metroid Prime, literally the hallway right before you get to Metroid Prime, there's that... Um, advanced phase on on the ground and you have to go through what looks like this really old rusted spider ball path and it's so cleverly done because if you make one mistake you're going to fall into that phase on and it drops your health so quickly so you have to be very precise with your movements and i love using the boost ball to launch yourself up to spider ball tracks like you said the puzzles were fantastically done and especially in, you didn't really have to do it too much in Metroid Prime 1, but boosting yourself off of the Spider-Ball tracks is something that is not easily forgotten. Those puzzles are very memorable. Uh, I think one of my favorite boosting areas off of Spider-Ball tracks was the entrance to the Forsaken Fortress after Dark Samus destroys the bridge, and you have to uh, finagle your way across the open gap by boosting across the path. And it's just, it's fantastic. The Spider-Ball is an amazing item to get. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of neat little clever puzzles. I like um, the uh, the Power Bomb Guardian fight in Metroid Prime 2 Echoes as well. Frustrating fight, don't get me wrong. Ew. But <laughs> but, but um, it kind of used the 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 power the uh, the Spider Ball well. Um, and then uh, I remember using it also in that fight against Emperor Ying, which that part's also really frustrating. But um, it's a great use of the item though. Still. Very unique idea, just very rage-inducing. That That's a word that I will say a lot when talking about <laughs> those kind of areas. Yeah. Ooh. They, they, they made it a little bit simpler in the trilogy, but the original Metroid Prime 2 Emperor Ink fight, oh, so many GameCube controllers could have gone through the screen, and I would not have been upset. Oh, I don't think I ever beat it in the original GameCube version. I did finally beat him in the in the Prime trilogy, so yeah, they made it a little bit easier. Um, actually, I think that that was probably a good decision on on their part. <laughs> yeah, the copy of Metroid Prime that I had for the GameCube came with a demo version of Metroid Prime Two, and so. I loved that demo and I played it so much. I was like, I have to get this game for the GameCube. And so I originally did. And so I played Prime 1 and Prime 2 leading up to Corruption's release. And that's that was so exciting. So the GameCube version is really good. Um, you can sequence break very easily in that yeah. game. But that's that's for another topic for another time. But yeah, the Spider Ball is incredible and very, very awesome item that is usually uh, found, I guess, halfway through the game, roughly. And that's a good estimate. Yeah. At least in Prime, you get it halfway through the game. It generally seems to be halfway through because you see a lot of those spider rails 
Um, Echo's kind of, you know, is until you get to Sanctuary. So, I mean, that's yeah. just, like pretty fairly late. And, and I don't think you don't get it in Corruption until kind of the, the you know, the last third of the game as well. Because yeah. it's after you get to the pirate uh, home world, but then you go back to Elysia. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, my bad. Uh, Prime is the only game where you really get it halfway through because uh, you need it early on. Yeah. Early, earlier on, I should say. But the other games, it's early within the third act, I would say. Yeah. But I guess moving on to number four. All right. So for me, my number four was the diffusion missiles from Metroid Fusion. And I kind of paired this with another item from Metroid Prime, which kind of has the same effect, except because you still have to charge it. And I paired it with the ice spreader. I love these two items simply because the diffusion missiles are awesome. You get them uh, towards the latter half of uh, Metroid Fusion. And since you're, uh, well, is it towards the latter half of Fusion? Because you're suited in that game. Yeah, you're suited in that game because of the X infection. You can't use the ice beam. And so that's another reason why you have to stay clear of the SAX because, or the SAX, excuse me, because she can freeze you and kill you instantly. And the diffusion missiles don't really incorporate uh, the ice with your suit. And so you that's how you freeze enemies in that game. And you have to charge it up. And I love the effect that it has because not only can you freeze enemies. Uh, well, no, you get you get ice missiles and you, then you later get the ice you get missiles the, pretty early on. Yeah. Yeah. You get the ice missiles early on and then you get the diffusion effect later. So um, the diffusion effect allows you to freeze enemies, but when it's fully charged, it sends like this spiral of, I guess, snowflakes or uh, uh, ice, and it just, it freezes everything in the vicinity. So if you're facing those little, if you're in an area where you have to freeze multiple enemies to like use as pathways or walkways, you can use less ammunition to do that. And the ice spreader in prime, it's underneath one of the tunnels in the Magmore Caverns. You have to break it with a power bomb. Um, that uses 10 missiles and you charge it up with the ice beam. And once you fire it, it creates basically this, this chunk of ice on the wall or yeah. an enemy. And it's so devastatingly powerful. And the effect is amazing. The sound effect is awesome. It sounds like <laughs> that as best as I can emulate that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, the Omega pirate is one of my favorite fights in Metroid prime and using the ice spreader. If you want to just beat him down really quickly, you hit him with four shots of the ice spreader and he's dead. I know we touched on that in a former episode talking. Yeah. Actually, the first episode I was on with you uh, yeah. talking about the Prime Trilogy, I talked about beating the Omega Pirate with four ice spreader shots. And that's that's really awesome. I love those weapons. I always love weapons that you can use to freeze enemies with because it's like, haha, you don't kill them. You just kind of look at them while they're frozen. They can't do anything. And um, I, I, I really appreciate that. And when I got the diffusion missiles, I was like, this is, this is new. This is something I haven't seen before. This is a really cool concept. And so I definitely have to throw that on my list. And ice spreader is always something I get the second I'm able to get that power up. I run and go grab it because it's something I've got to have. Cause I'm a, a bit of a completionist when it comes to Metroid games. And so, yeah, me too. By the end of the game, I, I usually have 250 to 255 missiles and you just can have a heyday with it. You can go crazy, go yeah. stupid. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, I like the ice spreader as well. In fact, although I feel like I didn't utilize the charge combos as much as I I, I could have, because um, I didn't I don't usually get them until late in the game. Um, but I remember the ice spreader being being particularly useful. 
um, especially against enemies that are more vulnerable to ice and, and affecting a lot of them. Yeah. Not sure how effective it would be against the, the Metroids, though, you know, because they're kind of floating in the air, but... Yeah. Uh, well, I know that... Uh... Okay, so the Wave Beam and the Wave Buster have, like, homing effects. They basically lock on to targets. Right. But with the Ice Spreader and how slowly the Ice Beam fires, you have to... You can't really aim into a Metroid or lock onto a Metroid and fire it unless you're basically point-blank range right. or just a really good shot. So you basically have to free-aim it and lead your shots with it. So it's very difficult to use against Metroids, but it's very effective. If you hit... I, I believe if you hit a Metroid with the Ice Spreader, it just instantly shatters. Right. It doesn't... You don't freeze it or anything like that, and it works with every Metroid up until... The fission Metroids, which those are a whole nother beast. They're a whole other beast, but yes, they are. I mean, it makes sense because you've got the concussive force of the of the missile plus ice, which is the Metroid's weakness. So you would expect a weapon like that, but at the same time, you could just charge it up with a with a, a charged ice beam and then and then missile it. So kind of seems like a waste to use uh, ten missiles up on just a single Metroid, but but it works. So you know you can do it. Definitely definitely effective against the Omega Pirate. Oh yeah. My number four, and I was alluding to this earlier, I think is actually kind of uh, actually very analogous to the wave beam. So, and that is the annihilator beam from Metroid Prime Two Echoes. Um, although uh, definitely a lot more powerful, but uh, I, if you notice in Echoes, a lot of the beams and visors in that game were actually um, analogous to the beams and visors in the original Metroid Prime, with the light beam kind of being the uh, plasma beam and the dark beam having the effects of the ice beam, and then the wave beam having the effects of the annihilator. Although they had different configurations and they have different different rate of fires, but in terms of like the effects that they had, and where Metroid Prime 1 did the uh, kind of the, the electric puzzles, Metroid Prime 2 replaced those with the sonic puzzles that you use with the annihilator beam. And I mm -hmm. will say also, like I said before, the annihilator beam is also much more powerful. Um, in the original Metroid Prime, the power beam has the greatest rate of fire. Prime 2, the Annihilator beam is, and it better because it uses both dark and light beam ammo. Uh, and you get it towards the very end of the game, but oh my god, is it effective. I remember it being particularly useful against Emperor Ying, at least in the first phase of the fight. Yeah, those, tentacle, those tentacles are a bit. They are a bitch. Um, actually, what helped me with those was the Seeker missiles. An honorable mention on our list. Um... But yeah, the seeker missiles was actually what got me with through emperoring the tentacles. But the annihilator beam was good for the for the shooting the eye. And I suppose in the second or the third part of the fight, where you have to switch between light and dark, you could just keep the annihilator beam on, although you'd be wasting ammo. But either way, the annihilator beam actually kind of had that effect in, in uh, Metroid Prime Two as well. Is that you know without having to switch between light and dark, if you were okay with just you know wasting one ammo, you could kill enemies that were weak to either one. And my favorite thing was instant killing enemies by using a, um, by using an annihilator shot. And I remember, remember mentioning this in our Metroid prime trilogy, uh, review, uh, using it on the light beacons and using it on the, on the light crystals because <laughs> the enemies would be simultaneously attracted to it, but also die on impact. And you just get this sense of satisfaction, <laughs> like <laughs> stupid, <laughs> you know, you kind of blew my mind, kind of going back to what you said about the Seeker missiles in the Emperor Ing. I never, ever even thought to use the Seeker missiles on those tentacles. And really? While you were yeah, while you were talking about that, I was just mind blown. I was like, wow. It, it made sense to me because there were five of them and a, miss a single missile seemed to knock one out or, or I think actually it took, takes a couple, but... 
Well, I, you know, I never thought about that. And I know that the first couple of ones, yeah, he, he puts out five tentacles, but the last one he shoots out like 11 or 12. You're and right. you have to take them out really quick with the Annihilator Beam. But I never once thought to use Seeker Missiles. But the Annihilator Beam is insane. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. You don't even have to lock on to enemies to take them out because it will seek them out. It will literally annihilate them. It just yeah. hunts them down. And... Um, it is a lot like the wave beam from Prime, but the wave beam you have to lock onto enemies to be able to have the beam home in on them. But then the uh, the annihilator beam just seeks them out. It's incredible and Which is it's very good. very efficient. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you're good. You're good. I was wrapping up on that one. Oh, it, it's good <laughs> and bad because uh, it, it it to my chagrin sometimes when I was trying to do the um, light crystal and light beam trick. Um, the annihilator beam would instead try to home in on the enemy, and I'd be like, "No, no, you can kill the enemy instantly if you just hit the <laughs> fucking beacon." Like, what are you doing? But uh, <laughs> so I wish you could lock onto those. But life hack: just stand right in front of the beam or right in front of the beacon and just fire. That's what. That you way, have to... it has nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the 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 lock on effect was was nice. The homing effect, um, the fact that it was effective against all types of enemies. Um, by that late in the game, you do have a lot of light and dark ammo, and because dark ammo gives you light ammo and light ammo gives you dark ammo, killing things with the annihilator beam gives you a little bit of both back. So, I mean, ultimately, by that point in the game, uh, managing your beam ammo wasn't nearly as bad, and and the annihilator beam was definitely worth it. Um, it's just so it's kind of a shame that you don't get it till late in the game, but that's kind of the point, right? Oh yeah. You get the most rewarding items towards the end. This is true. And something, something else to mention. Uh, I don't know if you were about to touch on this, but we were talking about charge combos earlier mm -hmm. and in the phase on mining site in, uh, I think it's the dark egg on waste. Once you have the, uh, Anni eliminator beam the annihilator beam you can go back and open the door the annihilator beam door that's on the far right side when you walk or no it's on the far left side when you walk in from the first entrance you open that and there's the sonic boom which is one of the greatest charge combos in the entire prime series it is which it uses 50 i think 50 light beam ammo and 50 dark beam ammo but it just creates this wave of sound that just it basically distorts reality wherever it hits and you see just this, I guess, this prism effect. Yeah. And it, it's so devastatingly and it's powerful. Mm -hmm. It is instant. And you, any ing that you come across, except for, of course, the Emperor ing, they just die instantly when you hit them with it. It is incredible. They're just gone. No, <laughs> no, no chance. Absolutely no chance. And the sound that it makes, I'm a big music guy and sound guy. And so when I'm playing games, the sound effects have such a huge impact on me. And the sound that it makes just, it makes, I'm thinking about it right now and I'm just kind of shuddering because it's so awesome. Well, I bet you love wanna, Wind Waker. Oh my God. Yes, I did. <laughs> Except I, I didn't, uh, <laughs> I didn't love uh, changing the direction for this. The, in the early GameCube version, I didn't like changing the wind every 10 seconds, but, you know, they fixed that in the HD version. So oh, the HD I version fixed that with the Swift sale. <laughs> yes, they did. I can I can live with myself now, knowing that. But, yeah, the sound has a huge thing with me, or I have a huge thing with the sound, and so that sound effect always gets me every single time, and I'll waste ammo just listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> the sound is strong with this one. <laughs> indeed, 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 indeed. All right. Well, moving on. All right. So number three for me, I chose the X-ray visor. And the X-ray visor is really, really cool for me. The first time I saw it, 
was in Metroid Prime. This item can be found in Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime 3 Corruption, and Super Metroid. Um, I actually didn't play Super Metroid until about a month ago for the first time ever, and I had no clue that this item was in the game. But the X-Ray Visor is awesome because it gives you a perspective um, in the game that, I mean, of course, that you haven't had before. It allows you to see uh, behind walls. It allows you to find power-ups that were hidden. It allows you to see hidden platforms, which in the Talon overworld where it's raining, you can kind of see those platforms by looking and seeing where the raindrops are hitting, so you can kind of guess. But the X-Ray Visor is fantastic because it allows you to set a clear path for yourself. And I just love the effect that it has on the screen, the almost black and white with a hint of blue. And uh, when you're facing Chozo ghosts, it's fantastic because you never lose where they're at. Because before the X-Ray Visor, those things are so hard to keep up with. But with the X-Ray Visor, you can just stay locked onto one until it's dead. In Super Metroid, you just have like this ray of vision in front of you that you can change with the analog stick and it allows you to easily find power-ups because Super Metroid, it's so difficult to find all the power-ups. There are so many places you can go, so much exploration that you can do. And the X-Ray Visor makes it a lot easier to see pathways that you couldn't before. Uh, in Prime, it allows you to see doors that are hidden behind walls, like at the top of the Fendrana at the top of Fendrana's edge, there's a plasma beam door hidden behind a wall that you can't find until you have the X-ray visor. You go back there, there's a Chozo artifact or a power bomb expansion. I can't remember off the top of my head. Either way, it's nece it's necessary. And I love the X-ray visor in Prime Three because of the. There's also a little sound effect that comes with each visor, and they did not they did not back away from the chance to make this extra special because when you're at the bottom of the research lab in the pirate stronghold in Fendrana drift, you get the x-ray or not the x-ray, you get the thermal. thermal visor, which has this little jingle behind it. That sounds like the song be prepared from hoodwinked, but that's, that's, that's my <laughs> personal, that's my personal thing. But with the x-ray visor, it just sounds like you're starting up a computer. It's just, it's like a little login sound. And I love that. I absolutely love it because it allows me to focus more on the game and having the ability to see things that I once couldn't creates a whole new layer of experience and a whole new layer of enjoyment for me. And the X-Ray Visor just opens up so much potential in all three of these games to not only find power-ups, but to find new pathways and new doors. And it changes up the sound a little bit and it gives you a new perspective that says, okay, there's so much more to this game that I haven't seen yet. And I think you find the X-ray visor in Metroid Prime. You find the X-ray visor at it's like a ancient. Oh gosh, you you get it after you get the power bombs in Prime, yeah. and it's in the it's in the Talon Overworld where you find it, uh, close to the entrance to the first entrance to the Phazon Mines. There's like a ancient artifact site where you can find a Chozo artifact, but in the pit right before you blow it open with a power bomb and you see this whole site where you have to fight like three or four Chozo ghosts, the X-ray visor is just sitting on a little pedestal. And I absolutely love that because it allows you to open up and see, Oh wow, there's a whole open area behind these walls. How do I get to it? And then you have to scan the walls. They're uh, made of bendesium. So you just blow them up with a power bomb. I just, I, I love the new perspective and the open areas that you can access with the X-ray visor. It's always been a favorite of mine. And so that's why it's on my list. Hell yeah. And I think the analog to that in Metroid Prime 2 was the dark visor. Um, but I think I like the x-ray visor's use a, a lot more 
um, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I loved using that in both Metroid Prime and Metroid Prime 3 Corruption. Um, I hadn't been aware that it was in uh, Super Metroid, although I guess I just looked it up. In that game, it's called the X-Ray Scope. Um, oh, excuse me. Sorry about that. No, it's it's functionally the same. I mean, I, they probably if they did a remake, they'd probably switch it to 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 meet to be X-ray visor, I'm sure. But um but yeah, I think that's what threw me off. But of course, I don't think I ever got that far in Super Metroid e- either, but yeah, that, that was a badass item. Um uh, and I loved um I love both that and the thermal visor. I think it made things a lot more interesting in uh Prime and um, I liked a lot of the puzzles that you could do could, that you could use with it, and, and the fact that you could see, uh, you could trace enemies that you weren't able to trace before, like you know, like the Chozo ghosts and whatnot. Yeah, which is why functionally it's it's very similar to the Dark Visor in Prime Two, but I do feel like Prime One and Prime Three do utilize that visor a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, that's definitely one of my favorites as well, and I think it it it. You know, might be might be somewhere in my top ten list uh, for sure. Um, but my number three is the power bomb, um, mm. and I know this is kind of generic. I mean, I'm sure this is going to be at the top of a lot of people's lists. But um, the power bomb is just so overpowered, and and getting it in every uh, Metroid game, and again, this is in almost all of them, um, it is definitely a turning point in the game, and and usually tends to happen more towards the later parts of the games. Um, because it's just so overpowered. And I remember you don't even get to do it in other M until actually the last final boss fight. Um, but <laughs> it just completely destroys every enemy in the room. Um, or in the, in the vicinity, I should say, you know, especially in the case of the, the prime games. Um, oh, and I remember, uh, the SAX using the power bomb in, uh, in, in Metroid fusion. And that just made the SAX fights that much more terrifying. Mm, or yep. using, I think there's one part where you use the power bomb and that wakes up the SAX, right? And causes her to come investigate you. I Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Adam tells you about that. Like you open, you open a specific area, I think heading down to sector three after you get the power bombs and he like tells you, hey, your power bomb was detected by the SAX. She's hunting you. She's looking for you, and in your mind, you're thinking, "Oh, oh, shit!" Because I can't, I can't stand up to this thing. Because I don't know if it's a woman. I don't know if that counts. It's, it's an, an ex it. mimicking you. It's an it. Yeah, there you go. I think so. <laughs> uh, also, the, the other function I like of the of the uh, X ray visor, which is put to to good use in the two D games, is the fact that it unmasks all the blocks on the screen. So it's actually the predominant way of finding power ups later in the game. Whenever you go in, I mean, you kind of just power bomb a room to see what's in there you know and yep. and it shows everything in the room and that, that that does make things a lot easier i remember using that to that effect yeah uh, power bombs are really cool just because you you it sucks because the power bombs in other m are so awesome and you literally cannot use them until the very last encounter with the metroid queen and then the post game where you go back to find Adam's helmet. Right. And we're not going to we're not going to talk too much about other room because that's that's a whole other spiel we can go on. But <laughs> I, I really like the effect that they had in the, the cinematic of Samus's morph ball just shooting up in the air, dropping a power bomb. And it was devastating. It was it actually looked like a blast and it was really cool. But the prime games, it's I'm sad that it's not in Metroid Prime three. I'm sad that they took that out and I guess it was replaced sort of with the ship missiles, but 
Uh, or, or or with the the hyperball in a, in a way too as well. Yeah, because it it did affect a wide area. But I loved I loved the effect that the power bombs had. If you had a bunch of Metroids around you, you could just drop a power bomb and wipe them out. So you could keep going. Um, finally, being able to break uh, Bendesium walls and Denzium walls in Prime mm-hmm. Two to get those power ups and access to those other areas, it was really satisfying. And in uh, the 2D Metroid games, I didn't like power bombs as much in the 2D Metroid games because it just kind of blackened the screen. But like you said, I did like how it exposes power-ups and kind of lets you know where you're supposed to go, gives you a path. So power bombs are really cool. Uh, they're not necessarily on my list, but it is an item that I look forward to getting. I love how you get them in Metroid Prime 1. You go to, I guess that's that's your goal the first time you get to the phase on mines is to go down and hunt for those power bombs. You don't know that's what you're after but that fight with that invisible droid is so annoying oh yeah but i love the puzzle getting to the power bombs like rolling through the little dirt with the uh, rolling through the little dirt rolling through the dirt with the little electric fences that you have to time and you have to bomb the little puddle of water to short circuit the that is really cool oh in that part you know that fight with that drone right before you get the power bomb too is all in this long stretch since your last save station i remember that because mm-hmm. I was, I was, and I didn't, I didn't die, thank God, the first time I fought that drone. But I remember fighting through a huge section of the phase on mines, and then finally getting to this fucking drone, which almost kills me, stressing out because I really don't want to have to play through all of that again. And then yep. once you beat it, you got to do this whole puzzle, and you're still kind of freaking out because you can't quite get to a safe station yet, and you, you really don't want anything to happen. You don't want your console to turn off or, or anything. <laughs> and so, but then you finally get it, and I think like shortly after that, you finally get to a safe station but i just remember being completely stressed out by that but yeah, yeah one of the, go ahead no sorry i was just gonna say yeah one of those ice beam doors in that room takes you directly to a safe station and you can finally breathe a sigh of relief <laughs> the, the, the first time i got through the phase on mines um i got just absolutely mollywopped by the elite pirate and i had like half of an energy tank left mm-hmm. and you get down to that elevator the elevator that takes you down to the lower part of the mines and i did not know that the crates in the elevator exploded when you shot them and so i was like yes crates there might be health and i shot one and it killed me no. and i and i just turned off my gamecube i was so mad I turned off my GameCube, threw the controller on the on the couch, and I just got up and left. And at, <laughs> yeah, at that point, I was like nine years old, so I'm pretty sure I started crying because I had fought so hard to get to that point, and I just died. <laughs> just died by shooting a crate of all things. Oh, the phase on mines is so fantastic. One of my favorite areas in a Metroid game today, to date. To date. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the face of mines is a definitely a highlight of the game, and and the the like I said, getting the power bomb in a, in every game is as I think a major turning point. Um, I always look forward to it, and obviously it's it's one of the most overpowered parts in the game. And, and there was something else I was gonna say about the power bombs, and I and I can't remember. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well, moving on to number two. Ooh. All right. So the number two item that I have on my list, which I guess most people would argue that this isn't really an item. It's more of a, you know, more of a suit. But I love this because of what you can do with it. My number two is the gravity suit. Um, The gravity suit is fantastic because it allows you to move freely through liquid environments. Mm -hmm. And 
in 2D Metroid games, it also gives you immunity to lava. So you can explore uh, the lower levels of Sector 3 and anywhere else in the game. Or Sector 3, uh, talking directly about fusion. But uh-huh. in uh, Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission and uh, Super Metroid, and unless you're in Lower Norfair, you can access lava areas and you can kind of see what's down there. And it's really cool because in 3D games, you still take damage from lava. But being able to explore liquid environments and move freely is so awesome. The uh, down frigate in the Talon overworld is so beautiful. The music is just great. And all the while you're just exploring while all these fish are going around you and the purple, the way it makes Samus's suit look the purple and the blue yes. with the, with the yellow, it's just so beautiful. Her visor is this, this crystal blue and the, it makes the morph ball look so awesome it makes the morph ball look so cool not as cool as the phase on suit that's a that's a whole other topic but it's just it's a beautiful item and it's really awesome i love not being limited in liquid environments moving around collecting power-ups and just it's it's amazing and i love the effect when you get it you it's in the back of the fendrana drifts right it's in fendrana's edge when you get it yeah and when samus collects it it's kind of the same as the various suit in metroid prime when she gets it she like lifts up off the ground and puts her arms out and it shows her face in the camera and she just closes her eyes like she's there for a second yeah she's just accepting this blessing from the chozo and it's just (laughs) it's so cool it's so iconic i love watching that and it just kind of it kind of puts you in the feels a little bit at least it did with me and so i love the gravity suit i love the effects it has and i could talk about it for a while but i will, I will let you carry on <laughs> if I, you have anything I like to say the gravity suit as well i love the way that it looks um i think gravity suit was one of the items that i, I think at least touched my mind when i was coming up with the list um but yeah i love the way that it looks in in most of the games with the um the different color scheme um prime 2 has the gravity feature uh, or no, sorry, the gravity boost. That's what's called the gravity boost. Yeah. Um, which functionally is the same. Plus, it gives you that boost effect you can do. Although, it's just a little attachment on the back of her suit, so not as fun. But, but still. And then I think other M was the one that called it the gravity feature, right? And that's where <sighs> it gives you the ability to, um, to to actually use uh, to use gravity in, in certain areas, right? Like you can yeah. walk upside down and shit. I, I remember those segments of the game, and it actually turns, you know side scrolling for a second there yeah it does i don't i don't necessarily like the gravity feature in other m i mean i like it because of the effect it has but it it's a staple in metroid games for the gravity feature to at least alter your suit permanently throughout the game and all the gravity feature does in other m it kind of gives you this purple outline yeah when you're in areas that affect your suit like when you're running away from sector zero which that part's cool but you're just kind of running down a pathway while it's closing behind you. And when you're in water environments, it's, you know, it, it's that outline. I just don't like the way they did it. I do like the same. It has the same effect. And the side scrolling part, side scrolling, the side scrolling parts are really cool. Um, but Metroid Prime 2 was interesting. Um, I knew they were going to do something along the lines of it. Well, they didn't do that in Metroid Prime 3. But in Metroid Prime 2, I was kind of expecting it because I was fresh off of Prime 1. And it was Metroid, so I thought they were going to stick to the iconic items. But I liked the way they did... I like what they did with the variation. You know, um, the Alpha Blog. You fight the Alpha Blog shortly right. after you get it. And that's a really cool fight. Um, 
but yeah, it's it's just a really great item, and I love the effect that it has. I, I've probably said that a million times, and I'll say it a million times more. I love the effect. It's it's great. It allows you to move freely in water, and who doesn't love who who doesn't love moving freely in water? I love doing it. I don't think Prime <laughs> Three had any underwater segments, right? Could they just completely nope. remove that? They did. And, and I'm I'm with you. I, I I like the when it permanently changes the suit. So in and Prime Two, it's just kind of this little extra part on the on the back part that's not nearly as fun, but it's okay because it's always there. It's always there, yeah. And 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 it does give you that extra boost feature that that Prime Two has that Prime One doesn't, where you can just keep holding down B to lift yourself up. It, it's cool when you get the light suit in Prime Two. It's cool what it does. The gravity feature kind of like folds into the suit a little bit, but you can still notice it. But it's not like this big. Uh, thing sticking out of her back. It's more. It, it looks kind of like a slim jetpack. If, if you've yeah. seen the movie The Rocketeer, it looks a little bit like that, just a little bit more compact on the upper uh, side of her back, and it's it's really cool. The light suit is. We didn't put it in the honorable mentions list, but the light suit is an honorable mention for me. I, I love that item. Just it gives you full immunity to dark aether, and yeah. it, it's badass. It's really cool. It's and a the really way it cool looks, looking suit, and being able to ride the light beams. <laughs> yes. Come on, the light beams. Oh, so good. Absolutely fantastic. But my uh, my number two is the space jump. Um, and this is all going to be complemented by my number one, which we'll, we'll get to in a second here. But um, our number one, because I think we have the same one. But the we space, do indeed. The space jump. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to modify this somewhat. I'm going to say that... Um, I more mean the space jump in the 2D games because the space jump boots in the prime games are just kind of allow you give you the ability to double jump and that's it. But in the in the 2D games and in other M, uh, the space jump allows you to uh, continuously jump, and so it's it's what and a lot of times it's it's incorporated with with our with our number one, but. Um, the space jump is what allows you to to indefinitely jump, and there's kind of a trick to it. It's kind of like wall jumping in midair, so you, you do have to kind of get the hang of it in the 2D games. But once you do, it's great being able to fly anywhere around the screen with with no limits <laughs> on how how much you can do it. You just keep going, and and that was something that I think was truly unique about Metroid, and I believe it was introduced in Metroid 2 actually. Um, and just being able to to continuously jump and explore um, every inch of the screen, every inch of every room, um, was fantastic for me. Was it was it introduced in Metroid Two? I thought it was in the original NES version of the game. Or nope, it wasn't. Nope. Uh, Metroid One does have the next item that we're going to mention, but um, it 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 does not have the space jump that was introduced in, oh, okay. in Metroid 2. And now it isn't zero mission um, because zero mission upgraded in every way. But yeah, being able to continuously jump um, was introduced in, in Metroid 2. Yeah, I think Metroid uh, Zero Mission was the only game that doesn't immediately incorporate this with our number one. I think you have the space jump for a while until before you get uh no metroid Our, fusion also you have there's 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 a there's a wait I, I believe oh okay okay yeah i'm i know where i'm wrong and we'll talk about that here in a minute but yeah you're right you you fight yakuza and metroid the spider boss yeah in the spider x in um fusion and then you have the space jump for a long time okay 
All right, yeah. But the space jump is awesome. I absolutely love it. It was really cool. Like I it's just rehashing everything you just said. Being able to continuously jump nonstop, you can basically access any area with this, no matter how high up or how far away it is. If you time your jumps right, you can get there. And it's it's really cool because in the 2D games, you can't really do this in Metroid Fusion, but you can do it in Super Metroid and Zero Mission. I was a huge fan of bomb jumping and timing, uh, placing my bombs on the ground so I could lift myself up. And there was one time in the open, the first open area in Criteria where Samus's ship is in Zero Mission, I finally was able to bomb jump all the way to the top of the screen. And later in the game, when I, when I uh, got the space jump, I was like, oh, now I can just go here whenever I want. This is amazing. And it just incorporates uh, like kind of what you can do, not with the Shine Spark, Shine Spark is also a really amazing item, but you know you it's, you can go anywhere, do anything with the space jump, and it's really cool. There's it kind of takes away your limitations. Metroid Other M, you can continuously jump, but you can't continuously increase your height unless you're wall jumping. Mm-hmm. And but it, it's really cool. It's really an amazing item and something I always look forward to getting. In the Prime games, it would it makes sense that it's just a double jump feature because it would kind of be OP. To go, it it makes sense more in a 2D space because you work so hard to get it and you don't really get it towards the end of the games. Whereas it makes more sense to get a double jump feature like a little bit before halfway or halfway through the game. Not halfway, you get you get the space jump early, yeah, very early on, and you have it from the get go in Metroid Prime 3. Yeah, you never have to collect that, you have it from the beginning of the game. So it's it's a great item and something I always look forward to getting. Um, the jump guardian is a really good fight in echoes and you just Uh get it in Metroid prime. One. you make your way to the talent overworld and yeah, I think when, when do you, when do you go back and get it's after the wave beam right in prime one, where you go back to the talent overworld Uh, and get the space jump or boost ball, boost ball. Yeah. It's after the boost ball. Yeah. Boost ball. And and what's interesting is you have to go, you have to go. You go to the Chosen Ruins. You go to Magmar Caverns, and then you go through to, to Fendrana Drifts just to get the boost ball. And then you run all the way back to Talon Overworld. Although there's a shortcut to get you back there. Um, yep. And then you just to get the the space jump. And then you jump, run back to Fendrana Drifts again <laughs> to get the wave beam. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's boost ball, space jump, wave beam, not wave beam, space ball, boost jump. Okay. Right. Space ball, boost jump. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a there's an early there's a glitch. I remember in the original GameCube version. There's one, one of the the earliest um, items you can get by sequence breaking is the is the space jump boots. Um, mm-hmm. By kind of jumping off your ship, I believe you can do that. You can lock on to a starburst plant that is above the first door while on top of your ship, and you can strafe to the right, and you're on the ledge. That's awesome. <laughs> it's, it's great. I did it once successfully, but they patched it in the trilogy. You can't log on to that plant anymore, which sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to open the scan visor, lock onto the plant, and then strafe to the right, but they made it to where you can't scan that Starburst plant until you're much closer to it now, just to kind of patch that so you can't sequence break like that, which sucks, but it's understandable because they want you to play the game a certain way. They want you to experience it and not break it because they didn't. While sequence breaking is a lot of fun, it kind of takes away from the linear experience from the of the game. It does in a lot of ways, although it opens up um, uh, an experience for a lot of uh, speedrunners, but um, I understand why they would patch it in later versions. Yeah. But I guess we'll go ahead and go to our number one, which we 
uh, ended up having the the same first item, and this should come as no surprise. I think this is going to be a number one for a lot of people. Yeah, the, it's it's oh man, we have alluded the to amount. it. Yes, we have the screw attack. Woo-hoo. So so famous, and but spawned a whole website slash YouTube channel, right? And then eventually it was bought by Rooster Teeth, and I don't think it exists anymore. But but yeah, screw attack, you know, and, and it's in Super Smash Brothers as an item. It's it's part of Samus's move set. Um, it's an iconic item and ability she has. It's in the very first Metroid game, and it's usually it's usually thought of um, as coming with the space jump. But essentially, what the screw attack actually does, um, at least in the 2D games and in other M, um, is it um, in the non-prime games, is it adds an energy to Samus's space jump um, and to her spin jump, allowing her to damage enemies and instantly kills them when she when she runs into their path. <laughs> <laughs> Eliminates like I, I always when I get this item, I'm like, well, you guys are screwed. <laughs> it's usually a late game item. Um, and a lot of people, I think, I think a lot of people associate it with the space jump, which is, I think, was, was part of your confusion about the original Metroid. But yep. um, it is actually a separate item. I think in other M, they are unlocked together, though. Um, but like you said, Zero Mission and Fusion, they're not. I don't know about Super Metroid. I don't know if I ever got that far. But um, no, you get the in Super Metroid, you get the space jump, and also in Samus Returns, you get the space jump a lot longer before you get the screw attack, which in Super Metroid, um, you can get a lot of items before you're supposed to. And it's not necessarily sequence breaking because you're able to access all of these areas in different ways if you're good enough at the game. And like when I played Super Metroid the first time, I think I was two hours into the game and I got the space jump and I didn't get the screw attack. The screw attack was the last item I got. So I had the space jump practically the entire time playing through the game. And then I got the screw attack. I was like, hey, now I can just obliterate everything <laughs> except except Metroids, uh, um, except Metroids. You can't Metroids. You have to in 2D games. You have to freeze them and blow them up with missiles. Well, you can freeze them and then screw attack them, but you can't just kill them with a screw attack. They they're too powerful for that. But and the fight with the Metroid Queen and other M, which those Metroids are insane. Those Metroids are so hard to kill. But the screw attack just kind of pushes them off of you. You have to hit them with, um, you have to hit them with the ice beam and then super missile them to kill them. Those Metroids are so tough. But the screw attack is so iconic because there there are these little beetle things in the two D Metroid games that you can't kill them. They are pretty much immune to all of your weaponry. You have to freeze them a lot to. Uh, use them as paths to get yourself up before you have mm-hmm. the space jump. And with the screw attack, <coughs> excuse me, with the screw attack, you can finally just eliminate them. You can decimate everything in your path. Space parts, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> These beetles, no chance. Nothing has any chance. The screw attack is by far the most powerful item in the game. And they kind of limit this in the prime games because you're allowed, when you do the screw attack, you can kill enemies that are in your path, but it's really mainly just a way to get places faster. You're limited to five jumps going in any direction, and it's basic. Yeah, basically, it just allows you to move farther. Uh, there's yeah, the- a missile. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. There's a missile expansion in the dark. Oh, okay, in Metroid Prime Two Echoes, when you're hunting for the Sky Temple keys in the dark temple grounds, there's a missile expansion that is uh, the dark temple grounds where it's the dark area where the GFS ship went down and you see all those dead Marines. 
in the dark version, there's a lot of dark Talon Metroids. And you can access this missile expansion if you have the dark visor. Yeah, I remember by, that. By uh, looking at the pathways. But I always wait to get it when I have the screw attack just so I can jump through and just wipe out those dark talent metroids because though that screw attack does kill metroids because it's so powerful you're limited to only five jumps and so they kind of give you a boost on the damage that it does it basically wipes everything out and it's really it's not as cool to me in the prime games the 3d games just because of how limited it is but it's my number one because my first metroid game was fusion and when i finally got the screw attack I was unstoppable, just unbeatable. And you get it yeah. by beating Ridley X in Fusion, right? I think so, if I remember yeah. right. It's been a while since I played Fusion. but Yeah, the I, game I'll need to pick back up and dust off and throw it in the old Game Boy. The screw attack is, is arguably one of the most, Samus' most iconic movesets. In fact, the, the item uh, icon for the screw attack is the emblem of the Metroid series. Um, that kind of S-looking thing that that's used. That that's that's the, actually the Screw Attack emblem, um, and it's used as as the logo for the series in a way. So, again, it's just extremely iconic. It's been in nearly every game. It was missing in Metroid Prime, but then in Prime Two and Three, it was incorporated. Um, it was reworked in the Prime games, um, but I think like like with the Space Jump, it was kind of done in the only way that they could do it. So, whereas the space jump is uh, just a double jump in the Prime games, the screw attack implements the more traditional functionality of the space jump, which is to continuously jump. But like you said, it's limited to five jumps, and it's not, um, and you can only just go in a straight path. And then the screw attack and space jump actually work the same way in other M as well, um, at least whenever you're in, in, in the 3D space. Some of the side-scrolling segments, you can, um, you can use it more traditionally, but... Um, but yeah, it, it just allows you, you just jump continuously five times in a row, and you, and you get it pretty late in both. Um, well, no, you get it pretty late in Prime Two, but you get it very early in Prime Three, like, mm-hmm. maybe like kind of halfway. Because I think it's you like get halfway. It, yeah, because you get it when you get to Elysia, but it, but you have to backtrack back to Brio to get it. But um, yeah, you have to teleport uh, from Brio Fire to Brio, Ice. to Brio Ice, and Brio Brio Ice. Once you get there, it's just like this little hidden area that you didn't know existed, and you. You find it, and it's solely for the purpose of getting the screw attack, an energy tank, a missile ship, a ship missile expansion, and two missile expansions. That's what's there. There you guys go. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they're hard to find, though. So happy hunting. But yeah, the screw the screw attack is really cool, and I, I wish that you could use it more uh, traditionally in the 3D games. But I understand why not because. It would be very, very OP. People would just be jumping around, obliterating everything, kind of taking away from the difficulty of the games. And you can't, I don't think you can use it on phase at all in Prime 3. I don't think, when you're in hyper mode, you can't do the screw attack. I don't think. No, I don't think so. I think you might be right about that. Um, but no, either way, it's 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 just a fantastic and iconic um, item. It's an ability that's completely overpowered. Um, again, like the power bomb, it kind of turns your whole world, world around once you're able to use it. Um, mm-hmm. And it's no surprise that it's at the top of both of our lists. Yeah, it's very it's very difficult to get in uh, most games, and in Metroid Prime Two, you don't get it until the very end of the Sanctuary Fortress, and the puzzle. The puzzle to get it is quite extensive. I remember, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very fun, very unique. And once you have it, you're like, okay, I'm a god now. I can, <laughs> I can, I can jump off of walls. And like the, the last 
uh, pathway to get to the Emperor Ing, you have to... I mean, of course, you use it for very, various puzzles to jump off of walls and such. But the very last pathway to get to the Emperor Ing, once you get to the Sky Temple, is you use the screw attack to jump off of the walls to finally get to the room where he sits. Yeah, the wall the wall jumps were cool using the screw attack. That allowed you to use it in a more traditional way as, as compared mm-hmm. to the, the 2D. Yeah, depending on how high... The walls went. You could go. You could go forever. You could use it more traditionally, and it was it was really cool to see. Okay, hey, there are areas where I can kind of use this the way Samus is supposed to use it, you know. And once you jump off of the walls, then you get those five additional jumps. You can you can jump five times into a wall, jump all the way up those walls, and then jump five more times off of the wall. It was re- it was really cool. Do so, you, do you, do you remember um, how, how we talk about the ghetto screw attack? Yeah, before you got the screw attack, you could do a ghetto screw attack by holding it. That's what the gamer community calls it. That's the non-official slash official term. It's holding down the charge beam while space jumping or, or while uh, spin jumping, and you will you can do kind of a, a ghetto screw attack. There's something else I forgot to mention earlier, and I just brought it to my attention. When we were talking about the power bomb earlier, we completely didn't talk about how uh, it's, it's the... Um, well, it's the only way to beat the Metroid Queen in uh, Other M, but it's kind of a secret in Metroid 2, Return of Samus, is that you can instantly beat the Queen Metroid by planting a power bomb in her stomach. Um, really? And that's one of two ways to do it, yeah. That Well, okay, so speaking as somebody who has never played Metroid 2, please don't hate me, um, because I never had an original Game Boy and... When I finally got into the gaming scene, I kind of, when I was a kid, I kind of judged games based on how they look, not how they played or what their story uh, really had. I was very, very one-sided when it came to video games, and I never got the chance to touch Metroid 2 just because I, you know, one, didn't have the equipment and wasn't really interested because of how it looked, and that's why I didn't play the NES version of Metroid until I was in my teenage years. But uh, when you're fighting the Metroid Queen, I knew that at the end of uh, Return of Samus and the remake Samus Returns, you fight the Metroid Queen, which I know at uh, Samus Returns, uh, the Metroid Queen isn't the final fight. It's uh, it's Ridley, but I don't know what he's called. He, it's a different Ridley, but it, that's one of the best Ridley fights in the entire series. But different conversation. I, I'm definitely going to have to go back and replay Metroid 2 Return of Samus just because... It's a part of the series. It's an iconic game, and despite how it looks, a lot of people say that it is a phenomenal game. You know, just only limited to its one console, and you know the black and white uh, graphic and slight green graphical design of it. So, but if you can defeat the Metroid Queen, if that's a secret, that's that's really cool. I'm gonna have to go through the game oh. and just kind of do that. I'm wrong. I just I just found out. No, there there actually is no power bomb in Metroid Two. You just plant a bunch of bombs, but. That was that it is in Samus Returns. You can use the power bomb. I don't know if it instantly kills her. No, wait, no, maybe it's not in Samus Returns. Never mind. Um, okay, but okay, so I'm, I'm mixing this up. The power bomb is used in Other M to defeat the Queen Metroid, as which is an, an homage to the secret method, which is by planting bombs in her stomach in Metroid. So I was kind of conflating those two things, but either way, um, that's our it's top re- five. Oh. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut in. It's really cool because in Metroid Other M, despite a lot of people's opinion about that game, you can't use the power bombs the entire game, which that's kind of a Debbie Downer. But that's Samus the first time ha- you use it. Yeah, Samus literally has no choice. It's either do this or I'm dead. 
I, I'm going to die because this ship is going to detach or this part of the ship is going to detach and it's going to blow up. I've got to defeat her now or I'm dead. So she grapple beams into her throat, rolls in there, and you're just taking so much damage. And the first time I did that, I died because I had no idea what to do. You're, you're, you're not supposed to use power bombs the entire game. And so when Samus grapples, when you aim at her throat and grapple down, you're left with, okay. I have to do this. What what am I supposed to do? And then I accidentally I accidentally defeated the Metroid Queen another M the first time I did because I was trying to figure out what to do and I was spamming buttons and while I was spamming buttons I was holding down the bu- I was holding down the one button and it charged up the power bomb and I let go and it destroyed her. And I was like, "Oh. I I won. <laughs> it, it's over. I did it." And I thought that that was the end of the game, but then the post game happens and you can just drop power bombs anywhere and it makes you mad because you realize the power bombs don't do the damage to the ship that Adam said they would and you can't really be mad at Adam because he sacrificed his life for what seems like almost nothing. Yeah. But he did it out of the goodness of his heart to try and protect Samus because who knows? If he hadn't have done that, you know, a lot of people say that he gave his life for nothing, but if he hadn't have done that, um, Samus would have died, and if she had gone in there and tried to do it and done it herself, which would have basically ended the series, which wouldn't make sense because of the games that happened later on. And what if the Metroids in Sector Zero, what if something happened, there was a malfunction and they got out? That's a conversation for another time, but I just want to debunk what everybody says about Adam giving his life for nothing because while the story is not the best, it does add a sentimental part to the story and kind of puts you in your feels and gives you a deeper connection with Adam because of everything that he and Samus had been through. But I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to hand it back over to Ash. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about other M sometime, and, and I'll have a lot to say about the two because I, I, I think I'm, I'm a big defender of that game as well. But um, we're hitting at an hour here, so I guess we're going to go ahead and jump into the uh, second part of the podcast, uh, which is where we're going to talk about our predictions for Metroid Prime 4. Um, we're going to take a short break right before we do that, though. So um, we'll, uh, we'll be back in just a minute here. We're going to be talking about our predictions for Metroid Prime 4, what we'd like to see in the game, and um, yeah, go from there. Yeah. Oh boy, this is something that has been long awaited and is still being waited for, so I'm, I'm kind of just itching to see the least bit of information that we can get about this game. Yeah, me too. I mean, we've got basically next to nothing, so the sky's the limit. Um, I mean, as far as I can tell... I mean, well, we know for sure it's going to be on the Nintendo Switch. Mm-hmm. And from what I would think, 
Um, they may switch to more traditional first-person shooter controls um, using both analog sticks. However, what I'd like to see is the option to pick either that or use the uh, the gyroscope in the Joy-Cons if you choose to you know use the Joy-Cons separately and maybe have a control system more similar to what they did in Prime 3. And we know that they can make it work um, because of the way that Skyward Sword worked, which actually used the, the Wii Remote's internal gyroscope and not the, uh, not the sensor. Yeah, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Uh, as far as the new consoles are concerned, the more options that we have, the better. Because really, all when it boils down to it, all it depends on is player's choice, you know? And it's good to have options that tie into whatever the player wants to do, whether it's motion controls, gyroscopic controls, or dual analog. I, I personally would like the dual analog because I'm a huge FPS fan and story-based game fan, which a lot of those games use dual analog. So if that's an option, I'll definitely be using that. But yeah, having those choices would be great. And honestly, it it that should be a thing with how advanced games are. And it's been 14 and will be probably 15 years uh, since the last Prime game when we get this one. So they need to have more options because overall, I think this is just going to be a much more advanced and beautiful game. And like you said, the sky's the limit with what they can do. Yeah. And, and I really hope that in terms of content, what they'll do um, is... Um I forgot what I was going to say now. <laughs> oh, um, n- nope, nope, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> well, it will definitely come back at some point. We've got oh, uh, a boatload of, oh, there we go. Beam, beam selection. Let's bring back beam selection. Um, that was missing in, in Prime 3. Um, the beam stack-up system is fine, but being able to switch our beams, um, bringing back charge combos, super missiles, as well as... Uh, power bombs is definitely, I think, the best route to go. I think what they can do also is bring together, um, bring in the new features that Prime 3 brought in that were good. But at the same time, don't uh, bring back what was missing in Prime 3 that was in the first two games. You know what I mean? I mean yeah, of course. Beam selection is great. And of course, it was a small tribute to the 2D games in Prime 3 with the beam stacking, and it was cool to see how each of the beams kind of resembled the beams from Metroid Prime 1 and 2, how the plasma beam looked like the ice beam and the dark beam, the nova beam looked like the plasma beam and not the plasma beam, the light beam and the wave beam. Um, excuse me on that. But yeah, uh, if they bring back beam selection, that would be great, and they honestly should because with this much time in between this ga- the last game and this upcoming game, I'm really excited to see what kind of ideas they have as far as weaponry in the game, whether they'll stick with a more traditional route with the, you know, power beam, wave beam, plasma beam, ice beam, all that stuff. Or they just give us a whole new selection of weapons like either either would be cool for me. But either way, I want to choose which weapon I'm using currently. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I I think that um, also bringing in, I think, some of the isolated feeling that was in the first two prime games and most of the metro games yes let's bring back some of the dialogue and some of the 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 cinematic moments in prime three because it's definitely the most cinematic out of the games um but let's leave that you know relegated to certain aspects of the game because it kind of took over prime three and there was not really a feeling of isolation at all so let's have that maybe in the beginning maybe at certain points but for most of the game you know samus is stranded on a planet by herself um, and I wouldn't mind having multiple planets to go through as long as you can keep maintain that feeling of, of being isolated. 
Yeah, that the feeling of isolation, they did it best in Prime 1. And that was honestly what drew me to the Metroid series. And, of course, the first game I played was Fusion, but you have Adam alongside you uh, to check in when you with you when you have navigation boots. Yeah. Uh, but when you're by yourself, uh, she Samus has those little monologues when she's traveling up or down elevators. But pretty much for the most part, you're by yourself unless you're in a navigation booth. And I, I love that feeling like you're on your own. You have to figure everything out for yourself. Of course, you have an objective someplace where you're headed. But feeling absolutely alone is one of my favorite things about the game. Yeah. And it ties back to, I think, how Samus felt in... Uh well, I'm sorry. It, it ties back to the fact that Metroid, I think, is based on the Alien uh, by you know by Ridley Scott, and in particular, I think the, the first Alien movie, which is a very isolated film, and so maintaining that aspect of of Samus being completely alone and, and withdrawn and, and and just on this planet, left to the mercy of you know the the monsters around her, is and the the planet itself, I, I think, is is an, is an essential aspect of Metroid. Um, I also think that there is just a way that Prime 1 feels that's more like the other Metroid games, that Prime 2 and 3 don't quite replicate. Um, of course, they're good for different reasons. I think I, I said in our Prime Trilogy episode that I think Metroid Prime 2 ended up being my favorite personally, but if they were to bring in the aspect um, of Prime 1, um, which definitely feels a lot more like the other Metroid games, I think it would be make for a perfect game. So there's something about the way that Prime One plays, I, and I think it might have to do with the amount of backtracking that you have to do, um, that you go through multiple areas multiple times. That, for instance, you go, you know, like, like we said before, to Fendrana, and then um, you go back to Talon Overworld, and then back to Fendrana, and it, it's kind of this back and forth thing. Whereas Prime Two and Prime Three had more of a, you go to this general area for the most part. There's a little bit of backtracking to other areas to get certain item and then come back to your main area. But, and that's a lot more of a traditional, I think that feels a lot more, for instance, like Zelda. But for Metroid, I like this feeling of constantly going back and forth between areas. And yeah, there'll be time when you're going to open up a new area and focus on that for a little while. But having to get an item and then go back to another area, get another item, and then, you know what I mean? I, I like a lot of that back and forth. Oh yeah, 100%. And there's something there's something about reaching an area that you can't quite access yet and you're like, "Hmm, I wonder what I'm supposed to get, where I'm supposed to go so that I can unlock this new area." And once you finally find that new item or you activate that uh cinematic sequence and, and you can you're like, "Oh, wow, I can go here now. This area is accessible to me and it's like a whole new part of well, it is a whole new part of the game. It's not like one." And you just unlock new possibilities, new story, new areas, new enemies, too. And that's just great. And you know, Prime 1 did the isolation feeling the best and kind of gave me that feeling the best just because there's no one to check in with. There's no there's no one guiding you. It's just you. You're alone. And Prime 2 and 3, Prime 2 had, a, had sort of a good isolation feeling, but you're still checking in. With the Luminoth, you're still going back to the main or the main temple grounds to find out where you're going next. And I just like having to figure it out all on my own. And finding items really helps with that just because, OK, I have new skills. I can do this. Yeah. Prime one kind of didn't give you a lot of direction unless you were stuck. And then after a while, the map would kind of tell you where to go, which 
Prime 2 and 3 also do to an extent, but but then Prime 2 and 3 also have like a general guide telling you, okay, this is where you need to go next. And I think what I liked about Prime 1 is that you kind of had to figure it out on your own. And if, if you were stumped, then the game would eventually start hinting you and, and giving you a direction. But but you had some time to figure shit out for yourself and to really figure out, okay, I want to go here now um, because I unlocked this new ability. And so, you know what I mean? It, it was kind of an, a sense of, I just got this item. Now, where the fuck do I go? Well... <laughs> I kind of remember there being a door here, or maybe you're just completely stumped and you're like, well, let's go check all the places, which allows you to go in and find power-ups and other items. So you have a lot of motivation to to go off the the, the path, the main path, and, and, and collect other things. Whereas in the other games, I mean, I think, I feel like you're a little less inclined to do so. Um, it kind of feels like you're going out of your way. Whereas in Prime 1, you don't know where the fuck you're going anyway, so you might be going to get a, just a collectible. You might be on your main path. You're really not sure when you're getting there. Yeah, I, I t- can totally agree with that. With Prime 1, the first time I got, I guess, scan data is, I guess, what you would mm-hmm. call it, or data received, or whatever the computer voice tells you. There's a voice that tells you in the trilogy, but it just happens in the original prime game you just get the notification press one to figure out where you're going right your your system kind of tells you what's going on like when you when you're going to fight the hive mecha to get the missiles it tells you seismic activity detected and it gives you the location um of where to go but i didn't get uh, a notification i was kind of moving through the game kind of remembering where everything was i didn't get my first data until it was time for me to go hunt for the gravity suit um passing through the chosa ruins the first time uh, the door where the morph ball, uh, the door in which the morph ball is hiding behind, you see that there's a red sort of barrier on it. And I tried shooting it with the power beam. Okay, I can't get in there. So the only other accessible door is where I went. And eventually I found myself at the hive mecha, got the missile, went through, got the first energy tank, and saw a small hole that I couldn't go through. I was like, okay, this is this is a morph ball hole, um, but I don't have that yet. So let me go back to that door. I can unlock uh-huh. it now. And I sort of just followed that path throughout the remainder of Prime until I got to where I had to go get the gravity suit. And I love that just because it's like it's like doors in a puzzle that you're solving to open, and one leads to another. One leads to another. You can go to another place because of something you did back here. And I loved games like that. And Prime Two and Three didn't really have that feel for me. It was just Prime 2 and 3 felt more like a linear experience, if that makes more sense. Like, of course, Prime 1 is linear, but it doesn't feel that way because you're backtracking quite a bit, as you said. Yeah, it's kind of the illusion of an open world. And maybe what Prime 4 could do is introduce more of an open world aspect to the game and in the sense of maybe there's a there's a multiple paths that you can take and then you can get items in, in different orders, but ultimately you'll need to do this to get there and this to get there. Um, but you kind of have more of a, of a decision on, on wh- which way you want to go. That would be cool. Um, I like the idea of multiple planets, but let's make them feel like actual planets. Prime 3 had multiple planets, but the amount that you accessed was basically not much more than you would have accessed um, when they were just different areas on one planet. You know what I mean? They were planets, but it was basically a name only. They were just different areas that, in, in the same way that... that um, you had Aegon Waste and Torvis Bog and Sanctuary Fortress. You know, in Prime Two, you had Brio and Elysia and the Pirate Homeworld in, in Prime Three, and, and that's the same way that in Prime One you had Fendrana Drifts and Magmore Caverns and Chozo Ruins. You know, so it, it, it's kind of like you the those planets were just other sections. What if we had planets that were each as big as 
Ether was in Prime Two and Talon Four was in 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 Prime One. That would be amazing. Oh, oh my goodness, that would make for not only one of the best Metroid experiences, but one of the longest ones too. I I'm down for an open world feel as far as a Metroid Prime Four game is concerned, but games like Breath of the Wild, you can go anywhere and do anything that you want, just as long as you're up for the challenge and you sort of have the equipment for it. You know, you can pretty much you can do any divine beast in any order that you want. What I don't want is a Metroid Prime game where I can just accidentally get the screw attack at the beginning of the game because I would I would hate that because you would just demolish everything in your path and it would kind of eliminate the challenge if the screw attack is a part of Prime 4, which it should well, be. It should be. Well, how about this then? And here's what I'm thinking. There's a specific path to go through and you won't get certain items until later in the game. But let's say you have three different planets to access, each, you know, like I said, that's as big as the worlds uh, in each of the games. And so you can start from any planet, but there's a set path through each planet. That would be interesting, and it would be really cool. I w they would just have to do it perfectly. Yeah. They'd have to be done absolutely perfectly right. Since I can't English, that's the best you're going to get. I'm <laughs> sorry. But that would be that would be fantastic. You know, I would love for them to keep a linear mindset as far as the items are concerned. But as far as exploration is concerned, I mean, Samus is Samus. She's she's a badass. She can do pretty much anything that she wants. Why not be able to an ex explore an area, maybe take a little damage to try to look a little further to see where you can go? Like, if they have something related to Phazon, which I don't think they will. I'm pretty sure Phazon was eliminated at the end of Metroid Prime 3. But if there's, like, a radioactive substance that hurts you and there's an item that you get later in the game that prevents that, maybe you can go a little bit into that area to see like what you're about to be up against. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really cool to think about the possibilities of what they could do with that. Yeah, and, and as far as the story is concerned, I wonder, because all the Prime games are connected. They're all called Metroid Prime because essentially Metroid Prime is the overarching antagonist. Yeah. Metroid Prime was the first boss in Metroid Prime 1, and then in Metroid Prime 2 and 3, Metroid Prime becomes Dark Samus, who is ultimately the the main antagonist of Prime 3. And then, and then all Phazon is destroyed. So yeah. It almost seems like there's not very much to go from there. Phazon's destroyed, Metroid Prime is utterly destroyed, but I'm wondering if they can find some way to still tie it to the events, and basically that Metroid Prime is still kind of the catalyst of it, so that it, it still maintains the idea that, that the series... Not only is the, is the series connected still, but the name makes sense. Well, since they only... Well, since Nintendo only really revealed a title, not really necessarily a title, but just another 3d metroid that's in the works maybe the game won't be called metroid prime 4 but that's just their i think they they did reveal that it was prime 4 though metroid prime 4 if they did if they did then that's cool but i i know for a fact that it's going to be a 3d experience i don't know how they're going to tie in the events uh you and i were talking about it earlier say uh well actually i don't know if you and i were talking about this but what if what if there is a description of like how Samus is being affected by the phase on corruption, like the aftermath of her being separated from it. You know, what if there's a storyline based off of that? Um, that would be really interesting to see like her having withdrawals, you know, yeah. and her having to deal with that or her having memories or flashbacks of her encounters with dark Samus and they affect her in battle. Now, I don't want them to go the other M route where she sees Ridley and she cowers in fear because that's not Samus Aran. But what if she has a little bit of PTSD from her past experiences and like she has a flashback or a memory which 
you know, affects her negatively right before she goes into a battle with an enemy that may or may not be familiar with her. Yeah, I like that idea. And that would be a way to tie in the events of the other games um, so that now, um, so that now, you know, Samus is, yeah, like you said, going through withdrawals and she is, sorry, I was just trying to text something real quick. <laughs> no, you're all good. This is America. This is America. Um, yeah, and it is a way to tie in the <laughs> events where even though Phase Zone is destroyed and Dark Samus is, is is dead, that is still having an effect and still ties the plot together. I think that that's a great way to, to go about it. Um, or maybe somehow another Metroid Prime is created by the end, or or I don't know. You know, what I mean, there's there's tons of possibilities. Um, yeah, like what if the Space Pirates? somehow manage to get some of Prime's DNA and they figure out a way to clone him. Or, you know, um, they might even introduce Silex into the game from Metroid Prime Hunters because he was he was kind of Samus's enemy in that game. And, you know, seeing him would be really cool how they would expand upon his story. And who knows with how the Switch is, maybe they might have multiple playable characters such as Silex. You know, that would be really awesome for them to try to see or to try to create. Gosh, man, my English is off today. <laughs> but... It's oh man, this, we just need more information. They need to give us something because I know this game is in the works. Retro Studios uh, recently put out a job for like a head producer for uh, Metroid Prime Four, and so I think they're, I think they're really, really making it happen. They're making moves, and so that's that's really cool, really interesting to think about because I need this game. I need it in my life. I've needed it since I finished Corruption back in 2011. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um. Uh, and I, I definitely do as well. And, you know, at the time, I think a lot of people were thinking, yeah, the Metroid Prime has run its course. It's time for Metroid to return. But now it's been long enough that we need another Metroid Prime game. It's its own sub-series with its own feel. And I think it means a lot to a lot of people. And, and yep. like, you know, we discussed before in that previous episode, Metroid Prime in a lot of ways, it's between Metroid Prime and Super Metroid. Um, in a lot of ways, is, is kind of the Nintendo 64 of, of, of the Metroid series. I mean, the, the, the Ocarina of Time of the Metroid series. Because there wasn't a Nintendo 64 entry. And, and it, it probably would have been that. But um, Super Metroid is still looked upon for a lot of its aspects. And Metroid Prime, you know, the original, is looked upon as, as taking the series, you know, into 3D. Mm -hmm. And for introducing a lot of aspects. So, Yeah, Metroid Prime is... Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. No, go ahead. I was going to say Metroid Prime is looked at as one of the best games of all time. I, it's just along with alongside of Ocarina of Time. And, you know, it's just they need to continue expanding upon that because that revolutionized while Ocarina of Time revolutionized a lot of games as we know today with like Z targeting and um, the way you can do things in that game. Metroid Prime really kind of opened up the series and gave it a whole new perspective that unloaded a whole new idea for combat. Uh travel one thing i would really like to see this just popped into my head and we, we we talked about items earlier and i mentioned the shine spark but what if they found a way to implement a first person speed booster in shine spark like you see samus through the visor moving yeah and then the visor starts shaking and you hear her breathing heavily as she's just booking it through wherever she's at and then you can kind of look with your visor to see where you want to go and that's where you'll shine spark I think it could be done with just a little bit of creativity or hell if we have to, you know, push into third person just li like 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 we do with the morph ball, you know, while we're we're speed boosting or while we're shine sparking, you know. I I think there's definitely lots of possibilities. 
Um, I don't even think it's necessarily impossible to bring the space jump back into it. Again, what if we were just taken out of the first person for just a second while we're space jumping around, you know? I don't know. <laughs> it, would be, it would be amazing to see them try to do space jumping in first person perspective. You see the camera spinning over and over and over again and you just get dizzy. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that if, if, if you look at Metroid Prime 2 Echoes in the multiplayer, when you do the space jump, whenever you're doing it, it just feels like a double jump. But whenever you watch someone else do it, Samus actually does spin on the second jump. Yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of like that was always weird that, to me. That was weird. You're, she's looking forward the entire time from your perspective, but she is actually spinning. I, how? We don't know. But maybe that's the same way that she somehow is able to see while she's in, uh, in morph ball mode. She's got cameras all over her so suit. If that <laughs> changed my if, mind. If that's the case, I don't see any reason why we couldn't just continue just <laughs> jumping in first person, right? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you just the camera's just bouncing every every second. <laughs> oh man. I, I, I don't I'm as awesome and as funny as that would be, I think they would try to make it seem a little bit more realistic. But, you know, whatever they choose to do, I'm going to be happy with because we need a new Metroid Prime game. It's It's been too long, and the story, as well as the isolation feeling mixed with the items in a 3D perspective, it's just it's incredible, and it's unlike any other game experience. And I, I'm... <sighs> I'm in desperate need of a new Metroid game. Like I just played super for the first time, like a couple months ago. And that was a really cool experience, but it wasn't a new Metroid game. You know, I still have to finish Samus returns. I haven't finished that game yet. And I've heard that that's a phenomenal 2d game. So when it's just a remake of the second one, return of Samus. Right. Yeah. Uh, Samus returns is actually really awesome. I'm, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Um, but I guess that's, pretty much um all we have for today we'll sort of wrap it up from here because we're already going on an hour and a half here but um we have of course a lot more that we could say oh yeah as soon as we hear more news about metroid prime 4 um we'll be talking about it and we're definitely going to be going to be doing an episode on it when it comes out so just stay tuned for that um very soon here we're going to have our season finale on uh, Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag and then next month in October we are starting uh, season 3. We'll be talking about The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Ooh. That's going to be our season premiere. Yes, Lord. Um, we're also look forward to an, at least another, one more bonus round this season um, where Zach and I are going to be discussing uh, Assassin's Creed. We're going to, you know, in, in as, timing it with the release of our Assassin's Creed episode where we'll do a bonus round dedicated to that as well. Um, so that'll, that should be out very soon. Look forward to that. Um, we're going to try to get going on more Patreon content. I know Zach said he wants to do more of the, uh, the let's plays with me. So yes, I do. I do. I do. I do. Hell yeah. And, um, we'll, I'll also get going on, on some of our other content that we're behind on. Like I want to get more of the video podcasts out, um, if you listen to Collateral Gaming and you love movies, check out Collateral Cinema as well. Uh, I'm on there. Dakota's on there. We've also got our co-hosts, Bo and Robert, who have been on Collateral Gaming before. Um, and we have a lot of fun. Basically, it's the same thing, except we talk about movies. <laughs> um, we are also starting up uh, a new season of Collateral Cinema. We'll be doing Neil Breen's Fateful Findings as our season premiere coming in October. Um, a week before the Collateral Gaming episode comes out. 
Um, and I believe that's going to that's gonna be, we'll be recording the first week of October, the first full week of October. So um, that will come out the second full week of October. So you can expect Collateral Gaming, I guess, the third full week of October then. Um, <laughs> something like that. We'll see. Lots of content coming. Lots of content coming your way. Exactly. Um, so I get it exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but um, but yeah, that that's all we got to say about it. And um, that being said, I'm Ashley Chancellor, and I'm Zachary Gio. We are Collateral Gaming. We are out. Collateral Gaming is an L Company production. All music and game clips are owned by their respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.